Blog Talk Radio. You know, we've all heard that we only use a small portion of our brain's capacity. But did you know that the entire brain is always active in some way? It's true, yet for most of us, 
only one of our brain hemispheres, one of the two, is actually in the driver's seat. And for a majority of people, the left brain viewpoint serves as our guide. We're going to explore the serious crisis we now face because of that left brain bias in our civilization. This is your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am the founder and CEO of the Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I am also a reconnected healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology and energy psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice, located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer, free of charge, and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. My guest, James Olson, is an integral philosopher whose studies have included religion, art, psychology, and neuroscience. He has attended the University of Vienna, Oklahoma University, where he received a Bachelor of Business Administration, and the Kansas City Art Institute. Following the unifying guidelines of philosophy and drawing on his broad education, James made it his mission to help bring the planet's masculine, the dualistic left brain, and feminine, the holistic right brain energies, into great harmony through his advocacy of whole brain thinking. He is the author of The Whole Brain Path to Peace, which earned the Forward Review's 2011 Philosophy Book of the Year, along with many other awards for philosophy, self-help, psychology, mental health, and social change. And we are very fortunate to have James here to discuss his most recent book, How Whole Brain Thinking Can Save the Future. So welcome to the show, James. Thank you so much for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being I'm I'm being uh, excellent. I'm glad to be here, uh, glad to uh, visit with you and, and your audience. Well, thank you so much. We are very glad to have you as well. You know, your book, okay, Whole Brain Thinking Can Save the Future, it is so very interesting and informative. Actually, I found it very fascinating. It's easy to understand. And the first part of the book is the science or the theory that explains the work. And the second part is, I'm going to call it uh, case studies. No, no, I'm going to call it stories about the culture of the brain, if you will. It kind of validates the scientific aspects, the first part of the book, in a way that is very relatable, I found. And it really allows us, as a reader, for me anyway, to better understand ourselves, which in my mind is of the utmost importance. Is that what you were going for? Because if you were, I got it and you nailed it. So I'm just curious. (laughs) Well, the second half of the book is really the heart of the book. It's what I wanted to write about, how how our brain affects our behavior. But in order to explain that in, in a way that made sense, I had to, to go into the theory. So that's what the first half of the book uh, does. Okay, so I did get it, and you did nail it. <laughs> that's great. So it just came out. 
in January, and I must say it could not have come out at a more perfect time considering all that's going on in the world. And, and of course, your subtitle, Why Left Hemisphere Dominance Has Brought Humanity to the Brink of Disaster. It's very apropos. So let me premise this in a, in a somewhat generalized way. I was taught that women are more right-brained while men are more left-brained. And if that's true, is it safe to say that the brink of disaster humanity is now on due to the left hemisphere dominance? Is the fault of men? Well, yes. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I hate to admit that, but it pretty much is. I mean, as a male, but but the problem, both sides of the brain are 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 good. They they both do good things. We they all help. Both sides help all of us, but we can uh, be too much in our left brain or our right brain. We need to use uh, a, a balanced approach because the two sides are complements. They, they each each hemisphere does something that the other doesn't do, and so together they do everything. They they see everything, and so we need to use them uh, together. But that doesn't always happen for, for a number of reasons. Uh, to, to start with, there's brain dominance, which tends to make, as you pointed out, uh, men tend to be left brain dominant and women tend to be right brain dominant. The other place we get our information is from our culture. And cultures can be left brain dominant or right brain dominant or balanced as well. Uh, in China has a more balanced culture. Uh, India is, is more balanced. Ours is very left brain dominant. And so when you're uh, born left brain dominant and you live in a left brain dominant culture, your world suddenly becomes what the left brain, dom uh, left brain uh, sees and does. And so that, that you don't know and you don't know that's happening. Uh, that's the problem. You just, you just see the world and uh, it's it's the left brain world, and and you're missing out on something, and so that's why I wrote the the book to try to help men especially understand their right brain, but also to help men uh, better understand women because women do tend to use the the right brain more. Yeah, it's interesting. You said the cultures of China and. India both uh, are more balanced. Does that have anything at all to do with the fact that in those cultures, meditation is really something that's practiced on a regular basis? Well, that's beyond my, you know, I can only speculate, but I would say yes. I think that's a, a, a reasonable observation. Yeah, I think so, too, because that definitely balances you out. I meditate a lot, and I know a lot of people who do, and, and we're doing that more in this culture now, and it, it tends to uh, give people a different perspective in and of itself. But back to your book. <laughs> so the men are the thinkers. The women are emotional and creative. The left brain is the masculine or the analytical, maybe even we could say aggressive sometimes, um, which is, you know, the, all left brain thinking. And the women are the emotional and creative part. I think that women are taught, if you will, how to think that way where men may not be taught the feminine or creative things in the same way. Is that somewhat true? Well, absolutely. Uh, women, women, uh, but w women understand, women use their, I think, understand the thought processes and use the thought processes. 
and I don't want to I don't want to categorize women as purely emotional. I mean, and I know you don't right. mean to either, but but primarily, I mean that that is a strong input. So women think and feel, and men tend to uh, just think. Of course, we feel, but we don't know how to, to process our feelings. We don't know what to make of them, other than than fear or or you know or love. Love overwhelms us, and fear overwhelms us, and otherwise we we just don't quite know how to deal with feelings. So so yeah, there there is this big difference in the way we. We approach, uh, and of course there there are lots of exceptions. There there mm-hmm. there are women who, who maybe are more thought oriented than feeling oriented, and there are some men that are more feeling oriented. But so when I'm talking here and in the book, I'm I'm speaking of the generalizations. I'm speaking of the broad uh, under the broad foundation of our. Of the way we we think and and respond to to our environment. Well, you know, and and that's really important to note because when when you're reading this book, you do understand that okay, the left hemisphere is the masculine, analytical, and aggressive part. Um, but when you work, and the right is of course the emotional and creative part. But when you work both hemispheres, which is something we need to do consciously, and we can do with awareness, we are able to do that when we when we put focus on it. That's when we're coming from a place of balance. And, and that allows for better decision-making or at least improving our ability to make better decisions, correct? Yes. And uh, this, this doesn't change us. When we try to, as men, if we try to be more holistic and, and use our feminine side more, uh, I think there are a lot of men who are afraid that will make them more effeminate. And it doesn't do this. It just... And whether you're, and if you're a, a woman, uh, using the left brain doesn't make you more masculine. It just helps balance and helps mitigate your your natural tendencies, which can be exaggerated. And this kind of pulls pulls us more into the center. And it's it's really a win-win situation for everyone. Sure, because there's awareness and there's a give and take that you can, it's almost like taking a step back and seeing the other side. You're able to do that on a conscious level within your own self so that it's, you're never in really attack mode, if you will. There's never that fight to win or control to win or to be right type of thing happening when, you're, when you have that awareness of the way that information is coming to you and the way that you respond, which when we're talking about the, the dominance factor, how information is received into our brains is very distinct between men and women, as is the response to that input. So if, if conscious thinking is involved, that should allow for a, a different response, left brain versus right brain, so that there's more balance. Is, is that, am I getting this? <laughs> uh, yes, yes, you are. Uh, you're a good student. <laughs> well, I'm not looking for accolades for that. I, I'm just like, okay, is this because that's how it, it seems to be? Is that if there if there is this distinct way of receiving into our brains and we only respond from that, we have a situation. But if we can process it from hemisphere to hemisphere, if you will, then that would allow for a very different response. 
Yes, and, and the brain is just giving us information. When we try to understand uh, what the the opposite hemisphere, our, our non-dominant hemisphere is trying to tell us, uh, we're just gathering information. Uh, this doesn't change us except that we choose to be changed, except that we choose to find better ways or or better ways of, of adjusting what we would normally do, and uh, so this is just a, this is part of our free will. It's like we have these two voices, uh, and each is kind of giving us different advice, and uh, we listen. We we just as we would listen to two people who were advising us, and we we make up our own mind about what we believe based on our experience and our education. And it's a very non-threatening process. And, it's, and it, again, it doesn't change us. It just helps us to change if we find something we want to change. Sure, it helps us change in the moment when we, yeah. and, and you utilize it to the best of our ability for the, the situation at hand. You speak about how each hemisphere houses an operating system and that it's capable of make, managing the relationship of the two hemispheres. But you also take it a step further by identifying the genetic mechanism that determines operating system dominance. Do you want to talk about that for a little bit? Sure. Uh, we, we talked about the two hemispheres. So the, the question is, why, why are most men left brain dominant and most women uh, right brain dominant? And that's because of uh, genetic factors and genetic dominance uh, comes in three forms. There's complete dominance, incomplete dominance, and co-dominance. And so let's consider that this happens to flowers as well. This is a pattern that uh, works throughout the universe. And so if you're uh, breeding red and white flowers, if uh, complete dominance is uh, the factor that's determining the, the offspring, then the offspring are going to be red flowers and white flowers. If the dominance is incomplete dominance, uh, you're going to produce pink flowers, which is a combination, of course, of red and white. And if it's co-dominance, uh, you're going to produce something like flowers that are white with a with red stripes, so the, the flower itself will be red and white. And so if you, you take this into to the brain dominance uh, and you look at the two types, the left and right brain, so if you have complete dominance, that you're either going to be uh, left brain dominant or right brain dominant. And that's, that's what most of us are. And that's why we're so polarized. But a minority of people have incomplete dominance and when you have incomplete dominance then what you're going to have is some sort of uh, blend of right and left brain as your perspective and if you inherit co-dominance uh, you've kind of won the lottery I, I suppose because you have both uh, perspectives both hemispheres are dominant now I don't that's kind of rare and, and I haven't experienced that I don't know what it feels like and there, there may be limitations because if you're left brain dominant, 
then you really get to understand what it's like to be left brain dominant. If you're right brain dominant, you really get to understand what it's like to be uh, right brain dominant. But if you're co-dominant, if both are working, then you don't understand the difference. And uh, but but that's still a, I think that's a good place to be because uh, it's it's good to have to to have both of these uh, experiences, both both of these perspectives informing you. So anyway, that's kind of does that explain it? It does. It's interesting that flowers do this though because they don't have quote unquote a brain, but that's where the genetic mechanism comes into play. Yeah, it, it happens uh, through through all sorts of factors in in life. We live in a we live in a and that brings up a good point. We live in a holistic universe, but this holistic universe has a dualistic foundation, a dualistic component. It's it's like if you're trying to build a, a round house, you're still going to build it out of two befores and two by sixes and or, or long long pieces of steel or even bricks. Bricks are are uh, linear objects, and you place those bricks around in a circle, and you get a circle, and, and that's kind of the way the universe is built, and so the left brain shows us the linear components, the foundation of reality, and the right brain shows us the big picture, the the whole of our experience, and so somehow in the brain these two are combined and we don't see that uh, I mean we can consciously think about it but we don't see the division in the two but there is that division there and, and the brain is specialized to report on that so it gives us a real detailed uh, mechanism for exploring our world we can go down and look at the, 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 the details the linear aspects of, of reality uh, then that's what analysis does. It looks into things, it breaks things up uh, to better understand them. Or we can look at the the over the overview, the context. We can understand that when we we do things uh, like vote, it doesn't just affect us; it affects millions of people. And whatever we do has a much bigger impact than we normally. Uh, recognize uh, because our energies spread out into the world and affect many people that that's kind of a, the the global aspect which is the right brain aspect and we we tend to be so much in our in our uh, left brain spur of the moment uh, perspective that we we overlook the big picture many times hmm and and while that's true, there are times, for instance, in politically, uh, why not? We'll go down that road. <laughs> I, I'm told, I, I have a friend who's always telling you, overanalyze everything, because I'm very analytical. I am. And I analyze things to death before I do things, because I want to make sure that it's right. And I, you know, I have all my ducks in order. But I also, when it comes to even whether it's at a town level, state level, country level, I try to think about what's better for everybody instead of what's, you know, how is this going to serve me well? Because if it serves everybody well, then you know it's going to serve you well. But if you go in thinking it's only going to serve you well and you, and you cast a vote that way or do something that way, it may not be for the greater good. If it's for the greater good, it means it's going to be for the greater good of you. Now, maybe that's just me, <laughs> and maybe that's a stupid or an odd way to think, 
but I do try to put that into perspective because it seems more fair. So I don't know. Am I more left brain or more right brain? I mean, I'm female. I'm very creative. I'm emotional, but I'm also very logical and analytical. So is there a test you can take? Well, there there are tests, but they're they're so simple that that a lot of people get bad readings, and, and ah. so I've I've quit invi- advising anybody to do that. Uh, they they can be very misleading. And by the way, the an interesting fact here: the right brain, being holistic, includes is very inclusive, and it and it uses the left brain. It it. In, the right brain people have a, have a good sense of the of the left brain if they want to go there. That's where they get their details. But left brain people uh, do not have that same advantage. The left brain is a dualistic system, and it's it's a cl- well, it's a closed system, uh, and it does not see what the it does not have any way of seeing what the the big picture that the right brain sees. Uh, it can get that viewpoint from culture, from being told that by by right brain people. Uh, so as, as you know, le- as left brain people can can get a good sense of that, and, and many of it ha- of us have that, but we kind of have to learn it. Whereas whereas it's more intuitive. Uh, for for women and, and other people who, who are right brain dominant. You know what's really interesting is that this is not something that is taught in school. You know, you don't we don't learn how to think along these lines. You know, it's very everything is very logical when you when you're learning things in school. It's 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 a logical methodology unless you're allowed to do let's say creating or, or whatever. But there's no crossover of try to think this way and put I don't know if I'm wording this right, to try to put things together, to have them merge. There's no merging of the two. Nobody shows you how to merge the two well. And I think your book speaks to that very well because it's, it's well, the name of it is Whole Brain Thinking, and I think that that's probably something that should be taught more and more in schools. This is not, this is not necessarily a new science. I, um, I remember hearing about, and then I looked it up today, a gentleman um, Sir Charles Scott Sherrington, he was a physiologist, and he won the Nobel Prize. I think it was in the 30s. I'm sure you're familiar. You're familiar with his work? Yes, yes. I talked about okay. it. I mentioned it in the book. Yep. And he he worked on the brain and talked about the two different hemispheres, almost like fighting against each other, if you will, for dominance, which only causes conflict. But if we consciously work the two brains, merging them together in harmony and in balance, that's where everything starts to come together. That was in the 30s. Here we are 80 years later, and we're still talking about just beginning to do this. Why is this not something that's more prominently discussed in our, in our culture so that we can come to better decisions? Well, that, that's an interesting story because this, this, became, this subject became very popular in the 70s and 80s, and, and Roger Sperry even won a Nobel Prize for his discovery that the two sides of the brain had had in effect different uh, versions of consciousness, um, but wh- a funny thing happened: the, the brain is so complex that 
it was difficult to flesh out the details and to 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 get more information about this. And scientists are are very methodical, and science takes a while. And there was so much to do that scientists could never come to an agreement on the on the differences in the the left and the right hemispheres. And in the meantime, uh, with this pent up demand, uh, media and 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 writers took advantage of this to try to understand it and try to to uh, surmise what was going on. And what happened was they uh, made a lot of they made a lot of mistakes. They they made a, a, un, unreasonable generalizations, um, and this really turned scientists off. And so this subject kind of lost lost scientists lost interest in this as a whole. And in fact, it got worse than this. They, they it kind of got discredited because they they couldn't come. They couldn't figure out any answers, and they uh, they just kind of gave up on it and went back to doing what scientists do, analyzing things and looking at the details. And so scientists have developed this, uh, and this this is one one group, one major group. But they they have come up with this modular concept that instead of the two hemispheres working, there are all of these various systems uh, that do different things and somehow uh, they it all works out but what I have discovered is that there are management systems or operating systems that manage these modules and the, the systems are non-physical and so systems management systems cannot be picked up on MRI scans and, and the some of the instruments that scientists rely heavily on to understand how the brain works, and so um, I I just kind of stumbled into this. I got interested in this subject, trying to explain the the holistic brain and and holistic concepts to men because I thought it would better help them. And I didn't really know what had happened. And so I went ahead with this. And But now we've had, all, we've had years of research, decades of research since, since uh, scientists turned away from this. And so there really is a great deal of knowledge available now. And there is enough knowledge that I was able to put together uh, a, a model of the brain, a, a coherent model uh, and uh, so you know I, I just kind of lucked into this and, and I'm, I'm amazed and, I, and, I, and I'm eager to spread this word that we do have very two very different ways of thinking and, and this is where our polarization starts and if we want to end our polarization political and otherwise we need to look at the root cause and that's the brain and yes, because of the way that we have been thinking in the past, and we'll get to that in just a moment. We are speaking with James Olson, author of How Whole Brain Thinking Can Save the Future. So to learn more, 
please visit www.thewholebrainpath.com. So go ahead and write that down now so you can check it out after the show. There's a ton of information on that website, thewholebrainpath.com. Or you can check them out on Facebook, and I think I have this right. Is it James Olson, author? Is that your Facebook Yes. thing? Okay, James Olson, author. So you can check it out, you know, go there and like that and learn some stuff and go to thewholebrainpath.com. Very, very interesting information that you're going to find on that. So, okay, so let's get to the polarization that we're in. So the world is suffering. And, you know, is it possible at this point in time to reverse the political polarization that is just ever so prevalent right now? Well, I, th- I think so. I think that's the way the universe works. We, we, we always go to extremes, and we, we see we're at extreme, and, and we back off. And uh, I'm hoping we're, we're right, right there because I don't want it to get much worse. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I think it will, and and uh, I think we will learn uh, to uh, from our excesses, and uh, and hopefully it'll be soon. Hopefully, <laughs> we need to teach the people how to merge the two hemispheres. Though that's really got to be put out there to the to all the political parties so that they have a better understanding, and that might be that's a big task. And thankfully, your book is is helping with that. But maybe you should mail your book to everybody who's part of the political process in the country. It might help. That would be a good thing to do. <laughs> Have you thought of that? Marketing it that way? Marketing it to all well, politicians? Well, actually, actually I, I did on the first book, and I, and I and I didn't get around to it. And and now I've been so busy. But but yes, I thought about doing a crowd funding uh, thing to to raise the money to to send send books out, but I don't know if they'll yeah. read it. Um, well, that's the problem, yeah. You can lead a horse to water, right, but you cannot make them drink. That's, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We um, One of the things I wanted to ask you about is, okay, so we have left-brain men, we have right-brain women. How can men better understand women? Well, they can better understand uh what women see and why they do the things they do. Now, I, I point that out because uh, information flows into the brain, and, and that that determines what we see. Once we have that information, we we respond. I mean, we don't have to respond. One response can be to, to do nothing, but we respond. And when we respond, information goes out. So when we're studying the the brain and, and studying what people do, we want to look at what what they see, because what they see determines what they do. Uh, the reason we have terrorists in this world is because because of what these uh, terrorists have seen, and and it's it's really changed them. So what we see and what we do. So. Uh, so we're looking at, at the way information flows in, in, in these two ways. And when we're creative working, creatively working uh, to, with our brain in how we process information, we want to think in, in terms of uh, the perspective, which is what we see in our response, what we do. 
Do you think part of the issue with men dealing with women is that sometimes they're intimidated or afraid or scared because we're women and they're just like, I don't know what to do with you? <laughs> I mean, I've heard well, that from men. They're like, I just don't know what to do with you. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you remember what I, what I said, that, that the, the left <laughs> hemisphere that drives most men is a closed system. And, right. And it, it, it builds its own world, and it builds its world out of, the information that comes into mind and women have this open system where information comes in and they they can take in new information um, and they can take in information from men and so they're they're much better equipped to to deal with with the world and they're better able to understand men and if if uh, we men are to better understand women, we need to understand. And this is, gets back to your your original question. What we need to do is understand what women are seeing, what what the right brain is showing women, and understand how the right brain normally responds. And so, when we understand these two things, we are going to understand women much better and we're going to understand ourselves better as well yes one will automatically help with the other <laughs> it has to the uh the funny thing is as in reading your book you have these quotes at the beginning of each chapter and at the beginning of one of the chapters is a quote by joseph conrad being a woman is a terribly difficult task since it consists principally in dealing with men and I read that, and I laughed, and I laughed, and I laughed, because, <laughs> I mean, it's really funny. I did, too. But I looked, I looked at it, and I laughed, and I thought, okay, I don't really think it's all that hard. I don't think it's all that difficult to deal with men. Once you realize where they're coming from, and, and, and this is a real generalization, and, everybody, and they all come from the same place, you just, it's just dealing with the same thing over and over again. You just learn how to do that, and you got it made. It's not really a big deal. But I don't know that everybody feels that way because <laughs> I've heard women say, you know, men are very difficult to deal with. And I think, I don't, I don't think so. You know, I just, I'm not really understanding the difficulty in being in boardrooms with them. I've had more difficulty with women sitting around a table if I'm presiding over a board of directors and I happen to agree with the men and take a vote and I agree with the men. And then I walk out the door and say, who wants to go to lunch? I will literally have women say, I'm not going with you. You weren't on my side. Like it's not about size; it's about doing the right thing. They don't—they don't necessarily get it, and I, I just think that it's not difficult to deal with men. So, how can women better understand men? Is really a question I should be answering because <laughs> because I don't really know how I do it. I just know that I deal with all different kinds of men, and if somebody really rubs me the wrong way, I just keep them at arm's length, and that's the end of the story. It's just simple. Well, it's an educational process. Um... We we learn from our experiences, and we learn from the experiences of others, and we 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 learn from observation. and And you're right, men, men are simpler because the the left uh, the left hemisphere shows us a simpler world. It, it's the kind of the dualistic world of of, of right and wrong, uh, yes and no, left and right. Uh, it, it's that dualistic world. That's why I call it a dualistic system, because it's built on these, these the black and whites of things, and 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 it also focuses. 
so men tend to focus on a few things. They they focus on their job, they focus on sex, and they focus on sports, and 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 or and then you know maybe one or two other things. Their fam, you know, they of course they, you know, want to. They they also focus on their family. Uh, so, and women women have this this much more complex vision of the world and um, so I, I can understand why women are more complex to deal with yes I think women are more complex to deal with even woman to woman it's it's way more the drama uh, yeah I can't take it sometimes <laughs> but I think men are easier and you know when you when you're going at it from, I mean, I've had people come in and say, you know, I don't understand them. I'll say, you should cut them some slack. It's the way they're wired. And people will say, no, that's just an excuse. And I'll say, no, really, it's the way they're wired. It's not an excuse. This is a physical thing. <laughs> this is how men work. Once you understand that, train him. They're trainable. And people will laugh and say, well, they're not like dogs. And I'll say, yeah, kind of they are. I mean, it's not really hard. <laughs> you know, you just got to tell them, give them the, you know, um, garbage in, garbage out. If you give them good stuff, it's going to come out good. If you say, this is what I need or this is what I want, and they, now some won't. Some will just refuse and be stubborn, and that's a different story. But for the most part, if you tell them this is how it works, they will respond in kind, and they will learn. How, you know, that's why it's always the first few years of marriage, I think, are the training years. You know, and then after, because you notice when couples are married for a very long time, they just kind of fall into place with each other. Regardless of who's doing what, you just kind of, eh, yeah, whatever, that's how they are. And that probably is a hemisphere thing too, but they've kind of merged both their brains. Is that does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I was just thinking that as you were saying that 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 is uh, the the two male males and females are drawn together, uh, and I think there 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 must be a a fundamental reason in that uh, for males are drawn to females and they learn from females and females are drawn to males and they learn from males and as a couple is, has uh, had a lot of experiences they, they have learned to to bridge these differences between the, the left and right hemispheres uh, and and that's why they and that, that same sort of process can happen within us uh, uh, we, can, we can be eternally dishonest uh, we the two sides of, of our own brain tend to work pretty well together because of dominance. One one side really dominates the other, and and so that that minimizes conflicts. But when you have a man and a and a woman in a in a relationship, each each uh, stands up for their own beliefs and their own desires, and so you have this conflict. And it has to be worked out. And that's usually like the first part of the marriage where it's, uh, you know, king of the hill type of thing until somebody, you know, gives away. And then, and then as it progresses, it just comes into this merging together of even, it's almost as though it's not your own brain. You're with the other person's brain and they're with your brain. It's kind of a, well, and everything is energy. So that's actually what you're doing is you're merging your energies together. So that, that's effective as well. One of the, uh, another quote that I loved from your book was, the perspective is what shuts out the universe. Everyone with their little perspective, it keeps the love out. 
And I really like that because that's so true. When you are only into your own perspective and you're not, whether it's somebody you work with or a child or an intimate relationship or a sibling or a parent, if you're not willing to look at their perspective, you're completely shutting out the love. Yes. Yes. Uh, and part of love love is being inclusive. And so we we need to to try to to bridge our differences. We need to try to draw in information and not be afraid of information and not be afraid when someone says something that maybe even sounds critical. Uh it it may have been said out of love to try to uh bridge a, a, a gap in understanding. Right. And that's what's important is to be able to bridge that gap. And when I think if we all learn to just start with really it's almost like being in mediation. You know, you you start to see the other person's perspective. You know, can you see this person's perspective? And I do this with clients all the time. You know, can you see his perspective? Can you see her perspective? And if they and they'll get it. And you use whatever language they understand. Can you hear? Can you feel? Can you see? Do you get? Do you understand their perspective? Because everybody takes it in differently. Some people will, if you say, do you see it? They won't. But if you say, do you hear it? They will. So it's all in, you know, learning which way to speak. The words matter as well. Correct? Yes, yes. You're right. Some people are more, I, I'm visual and I use visual imagery in, in, in my speech and other people uh, don't un- really don't understand that. They're, they're more auditory or, or uh, kinesthetic. Uh, so we are, we're, all, we're all really different. We're all just incredibly complex. And that's why it has taken so long uh, to decipher the differences in the brain, just because of this, this complexity and diversity. And the fact that right now, I mean, we're seeing it probably more in the past, I don't know, I'll say year, I think I'm seeing anyway that women are standing up for themselves more because, I don't know, I wonder if it's because we're more aware of how to respond in a way that allows for change, effective change, rather than just responding in a reactionary way to the information that's being received. Do you think that that may be the reason why women are standing standing up, coming up aboard right now and in, in trying to affect change because they can see it differently than men? Yes, I, I think the, the exaggeration that comes with uh, polarization brings out these differences in, in a, a very stark way that is inescapable. Uh, well, not inescapable because there are a lot of people that are failing to see see the the reality that is that is uh, being projected on on the uh, the cultural consciousness. But the the more extreme things get, the more obvious the differences between men and women, between the different values, uh, the the more obvious they become. And so uh, eventually you you feel so strong and you you feel your voice needs to be heard, and so that's that's starting to happen now. Now, one of the things you touched on 
was very interesting because you talked about how each hemisphere controls different hormones as well, and that that has an effect on sexual response. Correct? Well, uh, the the hemispheres have a could have control over our our operating system and the operating in the in our gender our our sexual feelings well there there are two components let me let me back up there there's the the physical component of sexuality and then there's the gender and that's what we feel how whether we feel masculine or, or feminine and whether we feel masculine or feminine or 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 we don't feel it because uh, because we're about more balanced uh, that's because of the operating systems and so in in this process whereby we acquire the operating system it's a, it's a complex process and we don't understand it very well but there are also hormones uh, testosterone and, and estrogen that are produced at that time and these may even be the triggers that determine uh, brain dominance. Uh, I mean genetics may work through the the hormones. We don't really have that all figured out but it's it's a very interesting subject. It is very interesting. Actually your whole book is very interesting. There's so many things in it and I've tried to touch on a variety of different things to to get the audience to understand there's so much that will resonate with you, you know, so many different aspects. It's, a, it's, it's not a difficult read. It's a great read. And as I said before, the second half of the book, the stories kind of validate the scientific part that you read in the first part of the book. And, of course, if, if the first part of the book is not something that you're really resonating with, just go to the second part of the book. You will learn an awful lot. You will be able to shift your own perspective for the better of, you know, your, yourself, for your own, your own relationship with you, with others, and then, of course, on a global level, with, with the world. That's really important because I think that ultimately it comes down to awareness, being conscious of our thought processes and learning the characteristics of each side of the brain so we can move forward. For me, in peace, this this thinking will bring about peace, and I, I fully believe that, and I'm, you know, I'm sure that other people would feel that way, too, if they read the book. It's all about getting to that place of peace, which is probably how we're going to stop the political polarization that we're in right now. Yes, and the gender polarization as well. Uh, if we yes. can understand why people have the, the sexual or gender responses that they do, uh, we can understand that it's just a normal process. It's just part of the great unfolding of diversity and and the things, uh, some of the uh, sexual practices or, or at least the gender identifications that we see as abnormal are really normal if when you understand what's going on, and they're they're really beautiful uh, expressions of, of the human ability to. To experience life, and uh, we, if we can understand why people do what they do, they, they are much less threatening and much easier to love and, and appreciate. Which is what we should do with everything, you know, is just 
learn to accept, see the differences, and if you have trouble with it, learn to accept the differences. I don't like using that word because, you know, we're all, everybody's different in some way. So just be, just allow people to be. It's really no one else's concern how each of us is to be. So just allow each person to shine their light pool, we to, you know, dull their sparkle and, uh, and move forward like that. I can't believe we're almost at the top of the hour, James. This has been such a great discussion. Um, I do, I would like to read a paragraph in your book, if I may, by Dronvalo Melchizedek, who wrote The Ancient Secret of the Flower of Life. I think this kind of sums it up. Until the left brain is able to see the unity running through everything, to know that there is truly one spirit, one force, one consciousness moving through absolutely everything in existence, until it knows that unity beyond any doubt, then the mind is going to stay separated from itself, from its wholeness, and from the fullness of its potential. I absolutely loved that quote that you chose. That was a great one. I loved all of them, but that one was probably my favorite. <laughs> Thank you. I had fun, fun uh, coming up with those quotes. I'm sure you did. I'm sure it was difficult, too, to ascertain which one am I going to put where. Uh, but, we, again, we're almost at the top of the hour. But before we go, if you would please tell our listeners how they may learn more about you and where they may purchase your book, How Whole Brain Thinking Can Save the Future. Uh, you can go to my website thewholebrainpath.com uh, there's a lot of information there and uh, the book is available uh, through on online and and through through some retailers but you can certainly find it online or get your local retailer to order it for you um, and, uh, and there's information at amazon.com about the book as well that's great. And your Facebook page, James Olson Author. So make sure you check that out, like the page, see what's on it. You'll learn an awful lot. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking time being here. It's been really enjoyable. I, I was fascinated by your book, and I'm sure others will be as well, and I appreciate your time. Oh, I've, I'm, I'm delighted. You know, I, I really enjoyed uh, sharing this information. Yes, I can tell you're very passionate about it, and we enjoyed learning more about it. So thank you for that. Listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world. That's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we are meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. This is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archive list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting throughout the year. Please be sure to check out our charitable organization for kids, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every penny of every donation goes directly to children in need. We are run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries or stipends, no compensation to anyone of any kind. I am also the author of the soon-to-be-released children's book, Santa's Tiniest Elves, and a portion of the royalties from that will go directly to children in need as well. So 
we are Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, and we believe in investing in a brighter tomorrow. We are giving them a better today. Thank you for taking time to visit our website, SojiHuggles.org. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio and at Soji Huggles. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. When I remember how 